Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's happening with you? Oh, you know, uh, it was a it was a frenzied day today, Manny. I uh, I had a million things to take care of. I we got the last podcast out. Uh, we uh, prepared for this one. Um, what do you mean, actually, we? Well, I mean the royal <laughs> we. You know, I'm I'm doing it on your behalf, Manny. Um, okay. uh, it's because it's, it's a group effort here. But uh, uh, I'm I'm actually leaving the state for the first time in nine or ten months tomorrow. Good. I'm, yeah, <laughs> good news for modern. Yeah. Manny. Good, yeah. good news for yeah. modern Manny. Uh, <laughs> Get out! I'll be man. back. Yeah, I'll I'll be back. Fear not, fear not. Um, well, no, I'm going. You? I'm I'm going to Orlando. I'm going to Orlando to uh, to actually play a house concert in someone's like uh, you know big estate outside and their their uh, on their their property. And, uh, you know, you've, you've brought up, you've, you've asked me about, uh, Disney. I, I can never remember which one is land and which one is world, but I think I'm actually going to be going to the one in Orlando on, on a, a, a free day that I have. Disney world. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Disney world's our last. So you're going to go there. Yeah. Have you been to that one? Yes, I have. Huh. I took my okay. family there, Renee. Unlike you, you've never right, wanted right, to take right. it because you're too cheap. You know, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, you know, once again, I've always had the 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 working philosophy that wherever it is I want to go, I'll wait until a music job brings me there. Sooner uh, or later, it will happen. So um, you're going there with the band or with your family? No, no, no. Going there with uh, with Susan Cowsill band. Um, so it's it's a bit of a family, you know, but uh, not not my family per se. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. No, <laughs> I think my family is is beyond uh, Disney World. You say okay. Uh, so yeah. are you going? You have a one day. So you, which park? Because there's like four or five different parks. God, I don't know. You know, it. it I, I I would frankly be happy to just stay uh, on the property and edit this podcast that we're recording right now. But um, uh, just to be a good sport, I'll probably take the trip with them. So I remember last time, if I'm don't if I if my memory serves me, like you played a house party maybe a year ago out in Florida or something like that, didn't you? Yes, yes, we're going and, back and, and doing the same thing. Oh, same okay, people. and you were so happy because uh, you had you slept in a room with towels and stuff, <laughs> right? Towels. Yeah, yeah, well, they yeah. had they had they had towels for us. It was a very uh, lovely home, very well appointed. There were excellent hosts. Because so, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you said uh, when you were on the road that you would just buy rolls of paper towels to dry yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, Manny, that's a that's a very good uh, memory that you have, and and yes, you know, I'm uh, Craig may be beyond this the this point uh, in his career, but uh, in, you know, for other uh, up and coming musicians, you know, if you're in your twenties, you're still on in that phase where uh, you know you're going to jump in the in the van and uh, you know put together a, or go on a, a self book tour and stay at friends' house houses. 
you know, after you go through the first few friends' houses and uh, you go to take a shower and, and you're all sharing the same grimy, moldy towel that, that your host, the one clean, somewhat clean towel, you know, you think, uh, I can't live like this. And, and so you think, what can I do? Well, the thing to do is you buy a roll of paper towels and you always have a clean towel to, to uh, shower with. You know, you can, even if you wash your hair, you can dry off your hair and your whole body with like 10 or 12 yeah, I, paper I, towels. Yeah, I thought about that. I thought about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I mean, I've only been on a couple, maybe three or four tours in my life long ago. And we were like you, you know, guys in the van and jumping from city to city, staying here, staying there. And I always thought, uh, and this is what I did. I never even had a towel. I would do a gig, meet a chick, go back to her place, bang her, and then use her towels. You know? Okay. And I didn't buy any paper towels. Sure. You just weren't weren't that lucky with the girls then, I guess, after shows. Yeah, you know, I was living like a monk out there, Manny. I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, just uh, eyes down, just really focused on the task ahead. (laughs) Which was, but where am I, I going to get paper towels? Right, sure. <laughs> Where's my next clean See, paper I, When you say when you paper towels and stuff, it seems like, you know, you're probably masturbating a lot, were you? Uh, no, 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 actually not at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, there's not a lot of privacy out there either, you know. Remember when you saw the lady with the, uh, the, uh, the Vagiplug uh, uh, car? Yes. So... Just to recap, you fucked her? Um, no, 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 no. Um, I have not met her yet. However, she is uh, uh, the the she is following the Trouble Men podcast on uh, Instagram now. So we're we're inching closer now. So to recap, uh, Manny, you talked about you were riding in the in the car going to work or home from work or something, and you you were at a stoplight and a car pulled up next to you and. What, it had a, a big decal on the side? It had one of those like door magnet kind of advertisements that says uh, Vagiplug, you know, call me or go to this website to check out the Vagiplug. I said like, ask me about Vagiplug or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm a, I was in my car at a red light. I'm not, you know, so I looked it up on, 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 the, uh, on the computer. And it's, it's some local lady, apparently, who started this company, Vagiplug. Right, right. Yeah. So, so you, you talked about that on the, on, the, on the show, and, you know, I'm hearing it. I, I thought it was just a bit. I thought maybe you were just making it up. Now, you assured me that you weren't, but I was still so intrigued that, uh, you know, that week I, I did look it up, and I was fascinated by what I found. Right, yeah. <laughs> so... So it's uh, yes, it is. In fact, a company, Vagiplug. It's a startup. Um, it's like a, a New Orleans kind of church lady. You know, you you see these. She has these videos on on her uh, Facebook page, and she'll be. It's uh, she's going to all these like women's health conferences or or product uh, um, kind of you know exposes, and uh, she'll be uh, saying praise Jesus. Here we are. Uh, you know with the with the the vagiplug and hopefully we're going to get this funding and so she's like i say church lady and it's i'm i'm going through the whole website and then she has a video and then she's actually having this thing uh 
like 3D printed, like a prototype. And I'm going, well, I got to see this. So like, what is this thing? You know, or it's so, as, you, as we talked about then, the name really begs so many questions. So, so there's a 3D printer and she's filming this, watching the 3D printer do its thing. And, and uh, I'm looking at it and you're like, okay, well, it looks kind of like a tampon or something, you know, and, but it's like kind of pinkish rubber. And then, uh, you know, the thing gets finished ma ma making the prototype and she reaches in and you realize w once her hand is next to it, well, it's much bigger than a, than a uh, tampon. It's kind of like, you know, halfway between a tampon and like a dick size. Um, so again, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, it begs so many questions and she's selling it as this is like a, 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 a women's health product. Right. Well, to, to what end? And she's saying, well, this is like a, an anti-UTI uh, uh, product, you know, and in case, uh, you know, if, if you're taking baths with uh, perfumes and bubble baths, you know, uh, you can, uh, you know, you use this Vagiplug. I'm going, well, you know, just don't do that. Don't take the bubble bath and the, the scented baths. And so, uh, so I'm thinking, well, is 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 that really just a cover for this is actually kind of a, a church lady approved uh sex toy you know that that you know you can sell you know under the guise of uh you know that it's a it's a health product i don't know i don't know yeah. so anyway i've go ahead yeah you got a lot of time on your hands, don't you? Right now? <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm multitasking here sometimes. You know, I'm I'm, I'm uh, something's being processed, and I well, have a few minutes to go file through the. Uh, the well, I the, I didn't I didn't research her that much. I just went to her like homepage and saw that she was on Facebook. But why don't we just get her on the show? Well, you know, I think we we might be moving in that direction, Manny. It's like yeah. so far we're you know she's following us on Instagram, and uh, you know. And what is we'll, her name? Well, we don't. I don't know her name yet. I mean, it's it's there. I didn't. I didn't write it down. I, uh, but uh, but you is know, her name Virginia. She, well, it, is it, her name Virginia? It, it could be Manny. That would that uh, would be that would that'd be uh, you know. Uh, but she's a church lady, you say? Yeah, yeah. It's always praise Jesus and 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 uh, thank uh, God for it's, it's a lot of that. Um, well, you know how I feel about the church, you know, but. Uh, Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, but uh, well, yeah, that's uh, yeah. We got to get her on the show, man. You know, but listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other things going on I need to talk about right now. Okay, let's get to them, Manny. Okay, um, I just want a, a big shout out to the Gambit Weekly. They uh, they turned forty years old this uh, this month. Did you okay. know that? I did. Gambit not. Weekly, yeah, the New Orleans Gambit Weekly has turned forty. And just like a fine wine, you know, they've gotten worse with time, though, instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of better with them. Yeah. Um, so also, I just want to give a shout out to them. And there's a lot of things going on. You know, we had our uh, runoff election uh, this past Saturday, and uh, I ended up voting for uh, the guy who cheats on his taxes. Yes. I, and he won. Well, he won by a huge margin. He won by yeah. like fourteen points or something. Man, they really didn't didn't. Uh, nobody wanted Kevalandrum in, in there. Uh, well, I think I, I said that I, people I talked to just did not like her, and I guess she's a uh, 
a crony or a, a, a disciple of uh, our previous uh, DA, uh, uh, Canizero. Yes, your good buddy. Uh, yeah, my good buddy. But you know what, man? You said that he doesn't have a family. He's got a wife and kids and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, sometimes I say things just, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I think they're true. But, uh, you know, hey, we can all be wrong. His daughter's a big uh, shot attorney, apparently. Okay. And his wife uh, is a sales rep for Vagiplug. Okay, know? well, you know, it's good to diversify. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, so we had that. And it's funny, I think my wife and I uh, both agreed uh, it was the first election this past Saturday that everything we voted on won. Okay. I, don't think I don't think that's ever happened for me. Everything nice, Manny. Yeah, and I, I, I dig that, you know. Sure, um, it's nice to win. Yeah, and uh, so uh, uh, the city is uh, preparing to get uh, vaccines, or the state is. Apparently, there's going to be a vaccine for the for the COVID. Okay, and all that, and uh, um, I I was thinking about this uh, the past week. Uh, uh, the good thing about COVID nineteen is that. Uh, uh, murder is no longer the number one cause of death in America. Huh. So was I it think really? That, was murder the number one cause before that? Uh, well, probably handgun What's murders it? and all that kind of stuff. So right. I got to get props, props out to COVID-19. You've taken over murder as the number one cause of death in America, or at least in okay. this city, or at least in this city, you know? Right. But, um, you know, Here's the thing. They say they're going to have this vaccine. And I put this out to you. Uh, if they come to you and say, uh, Renee, uh, do you want the vaccine? Are you going to take it? Um, yeah. By the time they get to me, uh, they, they will have run it through enough people that uh, will know what kind of, uh, you know, what, if there's going to be any adverse reactions. Yes, I will take it. See, I will, I'm, not, I, I'm thinking I'm not going to take it. Because I've, I haven't had a flu shot in over 20 years, and I haven't had the flu in over 20 years. So if they put me this COVID stuff, uh, I, I'm going to roll the dice and just say, uh, no thanks. I don't think so. That's the okay. way I feel about it. Because my vaccine for the past year, this past nine, ten months has been working fine for me. My vaccine. You know what my vaccine is. It's uh, alcohol? Yep. Three, three three vodkas a day and it's been working there every day and also staying either inside your house or inside your office so that's that's another part of it you know you're right not, yeah. uh, so i hope you're gonna be okay in florida because it's it's a hot spot man you know? yeah i've got all kind of masks i i had masks arriving in the mail today so i'll be all masked up and uh and uh yeah, you know, I'll be uh, very careful and staying away from people. Um, so, yes, uh, fingers crossed, Manny. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, should we get to our guests or do you have anything else you want to bring out? Um, no, no. We may as well get to our guests. Well, wait, wait, actually, there's one thing. Um, okay. One thing I, I, uh, uh, I heard um, because our, 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 our fearful leader, um, still re is refusing to say that he lost. Right. You know? And uh, he, uh, everyone around him is 
very scared because they don't know what's going on. But everyone at the White House apparently is getting more and more polite because everyone in the White House, as they walk around the White House or whatever, they're all saying, pardon me. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think they may get their wish. I think there's going to be a uh, shit, Manny, by the time it's over, you and I may be getting pardons and, you know, we didn't even do anything or we right. didn't even get caught at anything anyhow. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's go. That's all I got uh, uh, for right now. Right on. Let's okay. Well, uh, our guest. Yes. Yes. So uh, this is a first for the Trouble Men podcast. We have a trombone player on on the program. So and you uh, hate the it, trombone, don't you? Well, I, I I don't hate the trombone. We'll get into my feelings on the trombone yeah. here in a minute. So now that we have some a representative here, um, but so he's a trombone player. He's a is a New Orleans native. Um, he's uh, been a professional musician his whole life. He's he's also a you know a, a singer, a band leader, educator. He uh, founded the the Storyville Stompers. Uh, brass band way back when he was just a child 1981 he's also uh, uh, he was on the road with harry connick's big band for 16 years that, that he's got to have some stories there my god um uh also he's, he's in the he's a co-founder of, of the the trombone supergroup bonorama and but his his most recent big news is uh his band, the New Orleans Nightcrawlers, was uh, just put out uh, their like uh, fifth record right at the beginning of lockdown, and just a week or so ago, they were nominated for a Grammy Award for this record in the uh, the uh, the regional roots category. So, it's very exciting for him. So, without further ado, Mr. Craig Klein, welcome, Craig. Hi, Renee. Hey, Manny. How y'all doing? All right, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Craig, I was realizing that you released the the this uh, this uh, New Orleans Nightcrawlers record, Atmosphere. You released it on the last day that I played a gig before lockdown. <laughs> that was uh, uh, March fourteenth. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know. Timing is everything, but it actually worked out good for you guys. Yes, it did. You know, we recorded it last year, uh, three different sessions in a matter of three different months. And uh, the plan was, as you know, we sell a lot of records during French Quarter Festival and Jazz Fest, right? Pretty much covers the cost of doing a record almost if you get it out there, right? So with mm-hmm. that in mind, we thought, oh, here we go. The pandemic hits. And we said, screw it. We're just going to put put it out for the people, whoever just like it, just to put it out. We recorded it. We were excited about it. Let's get it out there. Nice, nice. And uh, but it's 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 in the so at, at one time, uh, like uh, 10 years ago or, or so, there was a lot of lobbying from uh, some Zydeco artists to uh, to. Uh, the 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 Grammy people and they they created a bunch of categories like a Zydeco category, a Cajun category, and and so they were uh, giving out a, a lot of Grammys every year. And it seemed like certain Cajun, like Terrence Simeon, would win every other year. You know, <laughs> just kind of. <laughs> but then after a few a few years of that, they decided, well, this is too many. So they kind of consolidated a lot of these specialty. Uh, uh, genres into kind of an umbrella uh category this this regional roots so this year and i guess it's pretty common from year to year where they have 
a Hawaiian band that's nominated, a Native American band that's nominated, uh, two Cajun bands, and then a brass band, the New Orleans Nightcrawlers. Right. Pretty diverse. I mean, Cajun genres, those two bands are, you know, Cajun. Sometimes there's a Zydeco band in there, but there's, right. from, there's always Cajun bands in there. Now, now you were saying that uh, that last year the uh, Hawa- a Hawaiian band won in this category. So I said, well, that's that bodes well for y'all because maybe they <laughs> the, the they won't want to uh, have a repeat. So you know, it'll, it'll be just the 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 cards will be falling in y'all's favor, perhaps. Yeah, man, I hope so. Nice, nice. Well, well, Craig, let's let's uh, let's go back to the beginning here. So you grew up in Metairie. Now, where did you go to high school? <clears throat> Well, I didn't go to high school. I went to East Jefferson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of an alternative program. Yes. <laughs> Luckily, there was a, there was a nice a nice music program that, that went on there. And, and well, I go back even further than that. My parents, many generations in New Orleans, and they moved to the. To, they pretty much did what a lot of white people did at that time. They got on that goddamn white flight and, and left the city, right? Uh-huh. Now, what part of the city did they live in before they fled? Well, they they the Irish Channel is where they all came from, okay. and then uh, we were living on Woodlawn in Lakeview when I was in kindergarten, and then they bought a house in Metairie, in Airline Park. So okay. I pretty much grew up there. And my uncle is a trombone player, Uncle Jerry. You may know Uncle Jerry. You may know Jerry Dahlman around town. He's only seven years older than I am and like 16 years younger than my mom. So he's close as a brother to me in age. And he's a really, really exceptionally good trombone player. And I just watched him coming up. He was playing in in a in little jazz bands uh, called a little jazz band called the Cabarets when he was at Rummel High School. And I was little. My grandmother used to take me to, and my grandfather used to take me to hear him play. And that was the beginning of it. I just followed him. He gave me his trombone, his old trombone, and just came up through the ranks of school, you know. And, and you know, high school was a good foundation for music because we, like I said, we had a great band director named Jay Haydell. We called him Prof. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when I graduated from high school, I had, to, I had got an a scholarship to Loyola for music. <laughs> Remember when they had the three old uh, Victorian houses on a corner before that big modern building was built? Oh, yeah. No, I, I went to Loyola during that era, sure. You did? Oh, what year were you there? Um, let's see. I started in uh, when I was a senior in high school. I was 1980. So, yeah, I went for in the early 80s there. Yeah, I remember dragging my acoustic bass up the, the three flights of, of, of those uh, narrow winding stairs uh, to get to the, 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 uh, the, the band room there where the, the jazz band played. <laughs> well, I made it for right till the finals of the last of the first my first semester. I hated it, man. I didn't like it. I was I was like 17, go 18, turn just turned 18. I wanted to chase girls and drink and have a good time. And these cats were too serious. They'd be shedding and practicing all the time. <laughs> so it wasn't my vibe. I didn't I didn't feel it. Plus I wasn't that good at that time. So I didn't even make the first band, you know, and I just got discouraged with all of that and I quit right before finals. Good. Okay. <laughs> Manny's a quitter from way back, so he likes hearing the <laughs> right. 
Well, no, I mean, you, your passion was uh, women and, and getting out there, meeting people. You're a young man. Why do you want to be stuck in a classroom, man? Get out there and live. Live. Exactly. I mean, who wants to study theory and harmony when you got other things on your mind? Like right, like pussy. Pussy, right? right? All of that stuff. So anyway, I put the horn in a closet for, oh, it was in there for a couple of months and got a job. Me and my buddies live in an apartment. And then Uncle Jerry came to my rescue. He said, hey, man, I know this band is just starting up. Um, and they need a trombone player. So I took the horn out. I started, pl- I started playing. And so you came out of the closet? I came out of the closet, Manny, in 1970, late 79. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and, and I started playing with this band and really liked it, you know. And then Jerry, the whole, by the way, the whole city calls him Uncle Jerry. He plays. We still play together in the Storyville Stompers, and, and we work together a lot. And, and we, it's nice. like magic when we play together. We just think it's just it's something that goes on, you know. Nice man. So I was just playing in this band, and then Jerry invited me. He he got because he was playing in a band called South. Remember a band called South, Renee? I do, I do. Yeah. Well, he was in. A, there was a big horn rock band, you know. And he was in that band, and Rico, the trumpet player, was in that band. And somehow they got wind of some fun brass band stuff that was going on. And they would start at the Dream Palace and do a lot of drugs uh, and and parade through the quarter dressed in costumes. And it was somewhat very unorganized, but um, centered around having more fun and it was mostly amateur musicians who couldn't really play west you know wesley wesley schmidt who who just passed away from snug harbor and was our grand marshal for servile stompers well he started somebody bought him a saxophone he learned how to play three songs he learned Mm -hmm. uh down by the riverside second line and they did a thing called sex drugs and rock and roll and they would just only could play these songs and they would march through the quarter and then some real musicians like Rico and Jerry and Snakebite and some of those guys started falling in with the tumblers. They were called, they still are called the pair of dice, like a pair of dice that you roll, tumblers. Right. And okay. they think of themselves as marching music therapists. Okay. So I started doing that and, and experiencing how the, what a brass band really was. And then Rico wanted to start his own band. So in 81, he picked five, he picked like six or seven people from the Tumblers and started his own brass band and called it the Storyville Stompers. That was 1981. Well, Jerry wanted to keep playing rock and roll in South because South was busy and they were playing a lot. So I I got the gig playing with Storyville Stompers, just like that. And it just, it took off from there. We started the Olympia Brass Band were our our stars. They were our idols. So we followed them around like and they took us under their wing and, and we just kind of came up through the ranks. And I was uh I went back to school. I went to Southeastern in Hammond and I, I went got a degree in marketing. It took me about six years. But I mm-hmm. it was and um, when I came out you were still I, chasing girls, yeah, yeah, sure. That's completely yeah, take exactly. Up time. That's right, right. right. It was it was kind of the best job I've ever had. I mean, I, music is a good job, but college was a good job. Okay. <laughs> so oh, anyway, um, graduated from college. Yeah, I'll try to make this story short. Got married, had kids, having kids. I have four kids. 
Um, you do? Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Four of them. They're all grown. My youngest is 22, 21, and my oldest is 32. Wow. wow. But, and then it, what I was playing, and then some of my musical friends, Rico and some of these guys, they were selling real estate, snake bite. They were all selling real estate and playing music because you can create your own hours, right? So I said, I'm going to do that because sure. I want to really, I want to focus on music. It was, it was pulling me in. It was just caught, it was pulling me. So I, I was just pr- practicing and playing and chasing mu- all New Orleans music, hanging out at Preservation Hall a lot, following the Olympia, this, that, and the other. <clears throat> and then in 1990, um, Harry Connick started, he was putting a big band together because he had a lot of success off of a record called um, When Harry Met Sally from that soundtrack to that movie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he recorded another record and uh, it was nominated. It was not also was nominated for a Grammy. And he said a, they wanted to put a big band together and have a bunch of New Orleans musicians. So he had Leroy Jones. He had Lucian Barbrand, Shannon Powell. <clears throat> and and Lucian said, I'm going to I'm going to recommend for you for this gig because Lucian and I were, uh, were really tight. He just died in, a, in J- uh, February this year. Right, right. So yeah. I can remember at French Quarter Festival, I'm watching Lucian play with Danny Barkin on a break. He goes, he goes, man, go home right now. They're gonna call you. I said, okay, I hurry up, went home, <clears throat> and um, they they called Harry and Ben Wolf, and they said, you know, told me what was going on, and they said, well, you can either send us a tape or you can play for us over the phone. And I, I just thought to myself, now or never. So I said, I'll just play right now. So I uh, I played for him over the phone, like as an audition, and I picked the phone up right. and they said, okay, you got the gig. Nice. Yeah. So in the middle of all of that, um, the night crawl has started. One thing you're 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 leaving out uh, you're leaving out your your time uh, playing with the Jimmy Maxwell organization. Okay, <laughs> I, okay I that's you, coming. That's coming up. Oh, that's coming. Oh, okay. All right, all right. How old go. was Harry Connick? He must have been old when he called you. No, no. Oh, you're talking, we're talking junior. Oh, Harry Connick Jr. All right. I yeah, thought yeah, yeah, talking yeah. Harry Connick. Yeah, yeah. Harry, Harry Jr. Because he moved to New York. He's, he's, of course, we all know he's a, he's a genius piano player. He was one of the only ones who really studied with James Booker. His dad would get Booker out of jail, and that's how he would pay him back was teaching little Harry how to play piano. <laughs> well, is Harry Connick Jr. as much as a prick that he looks like? <laughs> He's not. He's not. Oh, you know, okay. in the beginning, when, now, when we started in 1990, it's funny because he was 20 years old, maybe, maybe just barely 20, and success was just rearing on him. It was wailing. And he's a perfectionist. He likes things done. He likes, he's a, he's a musical, he's a, he's a genius in music. He knows exactly what he's, you know, what he's doing, what he's talking about. Well, he's he's probably a genius in music, but not in talk shows. (laughs) (laughs) So he, he had an idea. I mean, he knew what he wanted. You had to, you couldn't be skating in Harry's band. You had to play. There was no, no bullshitting around, you know? So he was serious about that. And, um, you know, he got married and had kids, and we all mellow out as we get older. But Harry's wonderful now. He's great. He was wonderful then. I wouldn't have stuck with him for 16 years if he wasn't wonderful. Okay. Now, in the middle in the middle of all of that, the Nightcrawlers started in 94 as a writer's workshop band. Um, Matt Perrine, Tom McDermott, and Kevin Clark 
got together and they said, let's, uh, they want to just, let's call some guys and play some of these arrangements we have for brass band. And, um, and they called me and I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. So we started just practicing and rehearsing and, um, we, uh, and that that was a band that was kind of uh, inspired by like the Dirty Dozen in terms of you're going to have the the brass band form, but the music, you know, you're going to like like the Dirty Dozen. They would play bebop tunes, you know, d- arranged for a, a brass band, and and you guys kind of took that that same tack, just like maybe the Storyville Stompers were were uh, taking the the Olympia brass band uh, inspiration. Am I correct? Absolutely correct. The Dirty Dozen changed the world of brass band when they when they yes. when they when they did what they do. You know, yep. they t- totally changed it, and they like opened the opened the lid up for for youngsters to be inspired by this. Now, go uh, and before the Dozen uh, was the Fairview Baptist Church band started by Danny Barker. He he started this band because. He came back to New Orleans from New York and saw that there weren't any youngsters interested in brass band music. It was fun. It was mostly old men. Well, you know, I was going to I was going to say when I was a kid, the only brass band I ever remember seeing was the Olympia Brass Band. Like, you know, nowadays there's I don't know how many 50, 100 brass bands, but it, it really did seem like now maybe there were bands in neighborhoods that I wasn't aware of, but. You know, it it really seemed like it was it was willing definitely was there. the Olympia was one of the ones they had the young tuxedo and the onward, but it was older musicians and they they weren't as active. And Danny Barker saw that and he saw a void and he encouraged. He started a band around the Fairview Baptist Church, and he had Leroy Jones, Greg Stafford, Lucian Barber, and Tuba Fats, uh, Gregory right. Davis, who's in the Dirty Dozen, every Michael White. All of these musicians became very important figures in New Orleans music and art still today. Just amazing how Danny turned it around. And then the dozen came kind of out of that, you know, and when the dirty dozen hit, it was just, it changed the world, you know? So that was an inspiration for us. People didn't think that a brass band could, uh, nobody conceived that that would be a thing to do. And then they heard that. and was like, Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> sure, That's right. I guess you can do that. That's right. And the dozen brought it out to the street for the second lines, and um, the older people kind of they, they, they took a. A lot of people didn't like it because it change. A lot of people don't like change. Right. So the Nightcrawlers got together. Tom McDermott wrote some arrangements for a Dirty Dozen record. To, to, uh, it was a tribute to Jelly Roll Morton. And they only played one of them. And that was the, the, the impetus. He called Kevin and Matt and said, I have these charts. I sure would like to hear them played. And they called some musicians. Uh, and that was the start of it. And we would get together and rehearse. And Matt would write some songs. And people would, you know, mo- the musicians, Eric Traub, would bring some songs in. And we would just rehearse. And it started sounding good. And we said, let's record. So here's where the Jimmy Maxwell comes in, Renee. You ready? Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So... At that time, um, we, you, I think both of us, we started, well, your father was was a big Jimmy Maxwell. I started getting gigs with Jimmy Maxwell just here and there. And we were playing at the Toulouse Cabaret when he owned it. It was called Jimmy Maxwell's Toulouse Cabaret, which is One-Eyed Jacks now, right? Right, right. Yep. So we said we didn't have a name for the band, and we, and we decided to go there 
and hired Tim Stambaugh from word of mouth to bring his portable gear in and set up and record us. So we show up at about 11 o'clock in the morning and Jimmy's brother, John, who was manager of the club, taking you know, he was there in the morning and he, he said, what are y'all doing here this early in the morning? Y'all are night crawlers. Ah, okay. All right. And that's, we said, well, that's the name of the band. So it took off from there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good name, man. Yeah. It kind of just, it was just fell into us. So anyway, right we just, on. we would, we would rehearse. We, our first two records we put out on Rounder because Scott Billington uh, liked the band a lot and he signed us to Rounder for two records. We did those. And then um, every, we did those first two records in a, within a, maybe three years or so. And then after that, we slowed up on making records. We'd make a record, take some time, four or five years, make another record. And this last release is our is like our six, six records. Fifth studio, we did one live, so it's six. Um, and the same thing with this one. It was time to put a record out, and we um, we we had some money saved up from some records that had sold before, so it was it was easy. We had some funding there, and also. The Threadheads helped us out with some funds on it also. And that when nice, the Threadheads nice. gave us, yeah, the, the Threadheads are wonderful. Who so are the Threadheads? Well, the Threadheads, and, and Renee, I think that's who you're going to play for in Florida. Nancy and Nate, right? Yes, that's exactly where I'm going. Yeah, I've played at that house party before too. It's great. The Threadheads, Manny, the, the Threadheads was started, oh, maybe... Just after Katrina, the first jazz fest after Katrina, and there was a group of people who would who would online talk about where they're going to see jazz fest, you know, and they became a group of a, a some kind of a thread, a jazz fest thread, and they say, okay, and strangers were on here, and they all met, and they would became friends, <clears throat> and then they decided let's have a party in between the weekends of jazz fest, like Wednesday, and hire some musicians, and we'll put some money up, and and. They called it a, uh, the Pawtree. And Paul Sanchez and John Boutte were playing the first, the first show there. And Chris Joseph, who, is, who started, actually, he was the main uh, start for the Threadheads. He came up to, to John and Paul, and he said, y'all should, do a, y'all should do a record together. And Paul said, well, we'd love to do a record, but we don't have any money. <clears throat> and he said, okay, well, I'm going to work on that. And he went around to everybody there, and everybody had agreed to put up X amount of dollars for them to make a record. So they started calling themselves Threadheads because of the, the, the thread on, the, on that, the, the, the whatever, whatever social media platform they were, you know, threading on. Right. And they became a, a, a group of people and they grew and every year just kept growing. And it's grown now into uh, a foundation, you know, and, and they've actually funded Oh, maybe eighty records or so by now. So far, maybe a right. hundred. Yeah, yeah. They they do they do a, f- a few a year. People apply to it, and they make a yeah. they have a selection process, and then they mm-hmm. they fund uh, four or five. I don't know how many, but uh, yeah, several records every year. Yep. Cool. And they still have their Wednesday party. That has been a tradition. They might have moved it to Tuesday or Thursday. I can't remember what days, but they've every year it's like a little mini festival. It starts in the morning. They set up on the grounds and there's. Uh, bands all day long and they hire some really good bands. I'm sure the Iguanas have played some of those things before, you know. Susan Cowsdale plays a lot of that, George Porter. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely played it, played that thing with a few different bands. And where is this at? 
Where is it at, Renee? Well, I mean, it moves it's, around. Yeah. The, the one I did was was uh, down in the Ninth Ward and like uh, close to the river. You know, like the right. Ironworks or something, something around there. But they they move around. I think they do events sometimes in City Park, and you know, mm-hmm. I think it, it it changes from year to year. I think they're going to try to do it at the Ger- the new German Beer Garden coming up whenever we can do Jazz Fest again. So so uh, they 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 uh, help sponsor this this latest recording. Well, I was going to say uh, uh, the, the New Orleans Nightcrawlers. Everybody plays in other bands. It's kind of a it's kind of a super group, if you will. That that everybody has like like you play in Bonarama is kind of your main thing, I guess nowadays. Or you know, it, it's one of your main things. Like you and you and uh, and uh, and Mark Mullins do that and i'm sure if if this would have been a normal summer you guys probably would have gone out and played months and months of dates but uh so so the night crawlers is something everybody has to be free to to address right correct that's right and and always it's hard to put it's nine musicians and like you said they're all everybody's a real top call so it's hard to get the stars i always say the stars have to line up for it to be right and, and, and to get a gig. We always would play French Quarter Fest and Jazz Fest, and we'd stick a couple of shows in between here and there if we can. So it was, uh, you know, that's and it's always, every time we do a show, we, we always look and go, why aren't we doing this more often? Hmm. Right, right. Well, hmm. you know, because uh, everybody's trying to keep their regular gigs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> well, Craig, um, we always take a little break in the, to, to get new cocktails and I'm looking at mine, man. How's yours looking? Uh, it's getting low. Mine too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll take a break, Greg. And the nation knows what to do. They, they, they've been here before. So we'll be right back. back back with mr manny chevrolet i am renee coman back with our guest mr craig klein now craig i'm not sure if you're familiar with this terrific product but uh we've the the trouble men podcast has been affiliated with a sponsor the past few uh few months and uh manny why don't you tell craig about this great product craig are you listening yes sir i am are you listening to me i'm listening let me get let me get my ears open Okay. No, listen, man. I'm going to tell you about something. It's called the Velo Bar. 
the velo bar mm. this is a uh i guess you would call it a protein bar uh-huh. sure it's a healthy protein bar but it has 25 milligrams of cbd per bar mm. there's the kicker cbd baby <laughs> Yeah, 25 milligrams, perfect dose to take the edge off of whatever you're dealing with, Craig. Mm, I guess so. Okay. Mm. You know, it's a healthy protein bar that fills you up and calms you down. Mm. I'm telling you, Craig, I need it now. Where can I get it? Is that a lighter? Are you smoking crack right now? No, just just cannabis. I'm getting my Uh, own CBD. All right, baby. Yeah. But you know what, Craig? The Velo Bar, it's a plant-based protein bar made up of superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, chia seeds, and, of course, that 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. Mm. And you know what? Mm. I love them. There's two great flavors. There's a dark chocolate and a peanut butter. And I'm telling you, they're delicious. Mm. It's a stress relief bar. It's a breakfast bar. It's something you can eat after working out or after fucking, you know. <laughs> and right now, Craig, are you listening to me, Craig? Yeah, I am. All right. If you go to VeloBarCBD.com, uh-huh. you can go there right now. And if you use the Troubled Men 1-5 promo code, you'll get 15% off your order. 15% off your order. That's great. And... If you use that same promo code, you'll get free shipping, Craig. All right. Free shipping. How do you Can't spell it? it? How do you spell it, Velo? Velo? V as in vagina. <laughs> e as in erection. <laughs> L as in limp. <laughs> o as in O. Bar. <laughs> All right. Fellowbarcbd.com. <laughs> Check it out. You know, the CEO of the company is an old friend of mine, and he loves this show. Yes. And uh, he, uh, he's actually doing so well that he's, uh, he's hired people, more people to do his job. And, you know, it's, it's, it's working for him. Actually, that's not true. Actually, that's not true. He's actually not doing well at all. He's not doing well at all. (laughs) But he's trying. Anyway. He's he's giving it the old college try. Yeah, he's giving the old college try. But anyway, Craig, are you listening to me? Yeah. Yeah. VeloBarCBD.com. Troubledman15. Get the promo code. Get 15% off your order. Free shipping. The nation knows all about it. And Craig... Tell your nation about it. Because everyone has their own nation. Right. You know? Right. And I'm going to tell everybody. Are they going to like, my nation's going to like the Velo Bar because they're very Velo anyway. There you go. Nice. There you nice, go. Nice. Velo rhymes with mellow, too. Uh-huh. Yes, it does. And then there there may, that, the, you may be tipping the hat a little bit, Manny, but yes, there's uh, there's uh, exciting news on the way in, in the, the uh, Oh, the, yes. Uh, Velo we can't give it out yet. We can't. It's no, not no, going to no, come no. out probably till next year, the new, the no. new news. Yes, we're going to keep it under our hats, but uh, but uh, yeah. you know, we're on pins and needles. 
Yes. Um, well, let me ask you this. I thought you guys had a Vaggie plug uh, endorsement also. <laughs> well, you know, we're working on it, Craig. That's the thing. You know, we're, we're always we're always looking for new new revenue streams. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure that uh, I can really get behind the product, but I would take an endorsement. <laughs> Um, well, it's worth a try. We get behind the butt plug product, though. <laughs> well, you know, I I, th- I think once once she establishes the 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 vagi plug, you know, that would be a good uh, you know a, a good secondary line to uh, you know if she can she can praise Jesus on that that one. She I'm sure she can come up with something compelling on uh, for for that you know some compelling excuse. Well, and and nation as always, you know, if you want to support the uh, troublemen podcast directly you can uh, jump on that paypal link in the the show notes or on the facebook page and uh, support the podcast directly and uh, we do appreciate that actually hirsch katzen who we said uh, sounded like a uh, like a, a law firm just his own name sounds like a whole firm he uh, supported us again so he's, he's hirsch is really doubling down on the support so thank you hirsch um so back to our guest, Craig Klein. Now we should we should clear up this. Uh, Manny was was talking about my issue with the trombone, and just to 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 clear that up, I love the trombone. What I what I had said early on was in the podcast was that I was amazed at the number of bands in New Orleans that are fronted by trombone players, like big bands, and. Nowhere else on the planet would you find a city where you'd have like, I don't know, what do we have, five, six bands that are like big draws that are trombone bands in New Orleans? I mean, I mean yeah. trombone, that's a, you know, there's, there's musician jokes about every instrument, but there's a lot about the trombone, right? I <laughs> there mean, used to be. Well, yeah, the jokes still be. exist. The jokes still exist. I mean, do you, so no. my favorite one, my, my favorite one, of course, is the one involving a frog. Are you familiar with that that trombone joke? Let's Let me hear tell it. it quickly. Let's hear it. Okay, and 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 many people who don't who don't have any kind of rural background miss part of what's funny about this joke, but I'll explain it. So, so a trombone player and a frog are both walking down the road. Uh, the only difference between them is the frog is on his way to a gig. <laughs> now, <Frogs. it's, laughs> Go ahead. Now, now, now my wife thought that was funny because, Oh, it's funny because the frog actually has a job and the trombone player doesn't. I have to explain. No, there's a thing called gigging for frogs. That's how you hunt for a frog. You know, it's like with a, with a stick with a barb on the end and that's called, you know, you stab them in the water and that's called gigging for frogs. So, it's a little bit of a phonological uh, joke. Okay, well, I'm going to add just a little twist to that, just because when okay. you say a frog and a trombone player, because do you remember who Frog Joseph was? Frog Joseph was a trombone player. I do not. That's Kirk okay. Joseph's dad. Kirk Joseph is a tuba player in the dozen. Oh, sure, yeah. No, I know Kirk. Okay, his dad frog, was Frog Joseph. Famous, oh. a very famous trombone player. Well known. He's my, one of my, besides Uncle Jerry, I put Frog Joseph. So when you say Frog, I laugh because I'm thinking I can see Frog Joseph and somebody else and Frog saying I'm going to a gig. So that joke was funny to me. <laughs> okay. All right. It's a, yeah. I love it when humor works on several levels. If, if it works on even one, that's a rarity for me. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, 
so, you know, you were obsessed with or, or rather uh, had an affinity for traditional jazz. I, I read in your bio that you would go hang around Preservation Hall. Was Were you into uh, like like rock music or, or, or like uh, modern jazz, uh, like J.J. Johnson? Or, or were you, you did you always have like a particular, um, you know, like I say, affinity for uh, traditional jazz? Well... I've always had an affinity for traditional jazz. I do like J.J. Johnson and I like modern modern bebop because that's J.J. plays things that it's unfathomable still even to me. Um, the traditional jazz, I, I just love it so much. Rock music, no, I don't even like. I don't really. I'm not. A, I'm not a rock. Led Zeppelin and I phone around. We just did a Led Zeppelin record. I don't even like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> really. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. No. Interesting. Interesting. So I was going to, I have other no. questions. I was going to say, were you ever into like uh, the punk scene in new Orleans, like the normals or any of those bands? No, I no, used to go just... see the cold. Okay. I All used right. to like the cold. Yeah. Out by on the lakefront, you know, about Augie's. Okay. Augie's Delago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to go, I, the cold was more my punk. You know what, man? I was, I mean, I followed jazz and and it was a different road, a different road, you know. And when I went to Preservation Hall, I just happened to go in there when we used to hang out in the French Quarter with fake IDs when you're 15. Y'all probably did the same thing, right? Sure, sure. You know, so I was walking by Preservation Hall with my hurricane in my hand. And I used to open those doors and I, the music caught in my ear and I went, I just would stand there. So I'd go with my friends. I'd get in my hurricane. I would leave them and go stand by Preservation Hall window and listen in and then uh later and every once in a while the cover charge was like three dollars if i had an extra three dollars i would i would go in um and then later after when i started in the 80s when i was with the story of those stompers i started hanging around preservation hall more and i would go over there a lot and um did alan jaffe got to know me through seeing me playing and following all of the, the Olympia around. He just kind of, they would let me come in and I would just stand on that back wall, you know, and just soak it all in. I heard all them great. And that touched my soul more than anything, any other kind of music, you know? So no rock and roll is not, not, not so much for me. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll listen to it if I have to. If you, <laughs> have, you have okay. Well. You have, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm the oldest of two other brothers. There's three of us. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, uh, there's always a brother that influences you, but you were the influencer. Yeah, I guess so. So your two little brothers, are they not into listening to classic rock or punk rock? They, or? they never got into that. And I, I feel like I missed that whole warehouse scene. Did y'all, y'all did that? I'm not from here. So okay. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw like, you know, talking heads at the warehouse and, uh, you know, Tom Petty and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot, a lot of cool bands there coming through, you know, for the, for the first or, or second time. You know, old man yeah. rivers yeah yeah because because i was into uh you know coltrane and miles davis and stuff when i was like 11 12 and then i heard the sex pistols and i thought oh fuck i love this too <laughs> and uh you know see i i, I like both of those things i actually yeah. see a lot of the, the uh, it's I, I don't see a, so much of a separation as as maybe uh, other people do well, but, oh, but renee Cra renee craig uh kind of reminds me of uh 
a while back we had uh i forget his name uh the guy from austin uh what was his name uh played, uh, played for x he um, sat in for billy uh oh, oh yeah 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 uh, uh jesse dayton jesse dayton and we talked about how uh there can be such great musicians who don't know anything about what's going on. You know, like uh, you said about uh, Zigaboo Motalise, who didn't even know who Bob Dylan was. <laughs> didn't think he was that big a deal. Yeah. Right. That was, that was, that was r- 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 Rock and Doopsy that didn't know Rock who, and uh, Doopsy, who, yeah. Rock and Doopsy, <laughs> Bob Dylan was. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we didn't know. It. it just goes to show you, uh, you just, you know, you're into what you're into. You don't, right. you don't right. care, you know, all People that can be. Very parochial, yeah. Well, yeah. so oddly enough, you're you're part of the Preservation Hall Collective now, correct, uh, Craig? You you actually play with that with with the the Preservation Hall uh, groups. It's come full circle, man. Nice. You know, that, I tell you what, you got to keep your dream. You always have to keep your dream alive because it, it'll happen if you keep. And it was my dream, you know, to to be to be sitting up in one of them chairs that Lewis Nelson and Frog Joseph was sitting in. So, um, oh yeah, a few years ago, I, I, over the years, uh, I would get a chance to play there every once in a while. I played with the Olympia Brass Band one time, set in with them one time. That was a thrill. And that was very early in my career, the late 80s. So, um, and then I just, I, they started calling me to play. And I, I just feel like a natural, I feel like a natural it just feels good to me to sit in that chair and play for that audience. It's the best room I've ever played in. Yeah, just the sound of it, the 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 ghosts, the, yes. uh, the history. Yes. Nice, nice. Well, one thing that that I, I, I we we must touch on, is, and this is an incredible. I think this would beat the Grammy for me. I mean, and uh, uh, which is that the. New Orleans Nightcrawlers were featured on an episode of The Simpsons, <laughs> which, you know, I, I know when it happened, all of you guys felt like and still do that. OK, we have made it. You know, we've been we've been uh, uh, animated <laughs> we're, we're there. I mean, how did that happen? You know, my kids thought that was the best thing that I've had that has ever happened in my career. That's They're right. Clearly. No, <laughs> and you know what? I swear, man, when I tell you, I don't, I know David Silverman. David Silverman is one of the uh, illustrators and has been with Simpsons from the beginning. He's a tuba player. Do you know him, Renee? I do not. He comes to New Orleans a lot, you know, and he's, he's one of the guys who draw, he draws all of that. And he, because he's a tuba player, he, he liked the, always liked the Nightcrawlers. And um, he said, I'm going to, we're doing this New Orleans thing and we want to do it right. And I want to put y'all in. So he, it was his idea to put us in there. But the whole, for me, my whole ironic thing is that I see, I don't, I watch zero TV, man. I don't watch any TV. I watch the news every once in a while if you make me do that too. And okay. I'll watch the Saints game every once in a while, but I don't have to do that. So I knew about The Simpsons, but I never followed them much. And David Silverman was a friend of mine from just the music scene, you know. But he's a big deal in this whole art drawing of The Simpsons. So it was his idea to to do that. And they used our track, one of the tracks on, on our first record, like just a little bit. They wanted to 
they wanted wanted a tune, uh, a public domain tune. And we had recorded just a little while to stay here. And they used that. And he drew us all in there. So we became, I had no idea it was going to be like that. Like even people <laughs> like you think it's, you must be a big Simpsons fan. Yeah, man. Look, I've been watching The Simpsons since they were uh, just a little segment on the Tracy Ullman show. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. uh, it's, it was kicks, man. So, yeah. No, no, that's very cool. You know, Grammys come and go, but The Simpsons is forever, man. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like we were talking today about, uh, you know, the 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 haphazard nature of, of Grammy awards. Like we were saying, you've played so many sessions. You played on Dr. John records, uh, Neville brothers records, Tori Amos, REM records. Like, you know, you're saying like 150 records. I said, I can't believe this is the first time you've been nominated. Just it, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, you can just for whatever reason, the way the cards fall, all those records, you know, didn't wind up getting a, a nomination. I, I played on this record one time, this Guitar Slim Jr. record, and I think I got paid with like a silver tone amp and a and a, a and a, 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 a K guitar. And that record wound up getting nominated for a Grammy. The the band played like two days in the studio, never again, but it had a good story, got nominated, you know. Yeah. Another time, I, I I I forgot my glasses at a studio. I went back to get them. They said, "Hey, you want to play?" Uh, I said, "Yeah, uh, play piano." I played piano on this tune. That record it was this this uh, uh, Emmy Lou Harris record. That record wound up winning a Grammy. Nice, like, you know, b- because because I forgot my glasses. Now I, I forgot them on purpose. Just just to, just to be clear, you know. <laughs> so I, I I I knew she was gonna that, that Emmy Lou was gonna be in the studio the next week. So I thought, let me give myself a reason to be here again. But but anyway, so it's it's very it it can be very. Uh, random to to for lack of a better word no it, i was gonna say it was random you know w- what a great bunch of guys man you know and and uh you know i love all those guys in that band jason mingledorf what a sweetheart um yeah. you know i i crashed into his parked car one time and he wasn't <laughs> even he wasn't even mad at me I mean, <laughs> he, he doesn't get mad he's cool jason's cool he he's a he's yeah, a good yeah. old soul man yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we 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 love Jason, a tremendous uh, tenor player. So, yeah. uh, so um, I don't know what's on the horizon for uh, for Craig Klein. Where? Do- well, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm going. Uh, I okay. So going back to the Threadheads and yes, Manny. I don't know if you knew who Lucian Barberin was. Lucian was a uh, the Barberin name. You know, you recognize that name as a jazz. Yeah. Uh, Royalty. Yeah, I, you know, ninety percent of the people that are mentioned on this show, I have no idea who they are. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. I'm going to tell you about Lucian. Lucian, the and the Barbaran name is royalty in in New Orleans jazz because his his great uncle Paul Barbaran goes yes. back to the early 1900s and he played oh with Louis Armstrong and he went to New York and played with Cap Calloway. He did a lot of major things. And so Lucian came up in a very musical family that was tied to some of the earliest of New Orleans jazz. And, and Isidore Barbera, and they went back to before there were recordings. They were just and it were, were incredible musicians, all of them. Lucian played trombone. 
And um, he would Harry Connick hired him. Now Lucian couldn't really read any music. He his he played by ear. And he, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, Harry okay. Harry <laughs> that guy again. He okay. wanted Lucian because he, he he knew what Lucian could do. So anyway, if you Lucian was a was a, a legend, and he got cancer and he died last year of a very young sixty three years old, you know. Mm. But um, Lucian's picture is on our cover. But Lucian and I were going to do a record, and the Threadheads gave us some money to do. Uh, they gave us a, a four thousand dollar grant to do to at least get it started. And we were going to do Lucian and I. We were getting together, and we were going to do this gospel record, uh, two trombones, rhythm section. Because Lucian is another brother that I play with, and it, and we just kind of lock. You know, Renee, you play with some musicians that you like. Your guys in the Guanas, you've been playing with them so long, y'all think alike. Sure. You know, yes. And as musicians like that, you play with. So Lula and I were like that. We were going to do the record. The cancer comes. Lucian checks out. And I didn't. The pandemic comes in right after that. And I'm going, what am I, what to do? I got this, this, you, what do I do? How do I use this money? I'm trying to think, do I use another trombone player, man? I just been meditating on it, trying to get the right sign. And, um, I heard this recording of an old, some old jazz musicians. Rex Stewart plays trumpet, wait, played trumpet from the from the forties and fifties, and and Dickie Wells played trombone. It's called talkative horns, chatter jazz, and these two horns were just with mutes and plungers. They were talking to one another, and nobody's playing long solos, trading fours and one bars each, and it sounds like a conversation of two horns, like just rolling off one another. And I thought, that, right. well, that's the way to go, you know. And we can have a conversation about Lucian. So, so Kevin Lewis is a trumpet player that I play with quite often, and he's one of the mainstays at Preservation Hall in the, the band that stays home and plays at the hall a lot. And we used to play in the Vipers, and so I've worked really well with him. I said, Let me, And he played a lot with Lucian, and he has Lucian's spirit in him. And I thought, let's get Kevin and this rhythm section I had involved. So starting next week, or well, tomorrow, Kevin and I are getting together to rehearse some tunes. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we've already picked out the songs that we're gonna do. And Lucian Barberin is the. We're gonna talk about him with our horns and try to create something that might just be, you know, representative of Lucian. Nice man, that's, that's beautiful that's, man. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, so studio time, two days of studio uh, in the next one day, rehearse one day, cut the next day, and then take about a week and rehearse one day and cut the next day. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I, I noticed this uh, this New Orleans Nightcrawlers record, y'all made that at, at Marini Studio. We did. It Was that uh, uh, Rick G. Nelson uh engineering over there that was rick g nelson he engineered the studio we love it As a matter of fact that's why i'm going to do this record too I, I like working there it feels it's like a club how much do you love that guy he's great like, he's fucking great man he's great he's really great in the studio you know the history of luth john's right it was a it was a dance hall where traditional jazz was played Right, right. And then, uh, you know, I was there when it was the Beat Exchange, when it was uh, owned by Barbara Hoover. And, uh, you know, they had a like a punk rock club there. Wow, so, uh, I didn't know that. I know Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so she had, the, like I said, the Beat Exchange, like in the the uh, the mid the early to mid 80s. Yeah, yeah. That That's that's where that was. So, uh, yeah, but that guy, you know, he came out of uh, he, 
plays plays you know all the string instruments uh was was in uh that band polyphonic spree which i saw opening for for bowie here at the sanger and he was in that band for like i don't know 15 years or something yeah he's he's what i i love about rick uh you know you're doing a session and he's a great engineer and he just stays there and keeps you know doesn't say anything doesn't get involved until the band gets stuck until until you're at kind of an impasse and then he speaks up and he only says enough to get the bit to to break the the log jam you know if you're like i don't know i don't know everybody's going i don't know goes it should be this one you go oh thank you rick and then he then he then he goes back to just taking care of the uh the the engineering man he's a musician yeah well with atmosphere matt perrine took the production from the beginning to the end and he did an amazing job. I mean, you know, it's not easy, Renee, you've produced records. It's not easy. And um, Matt took it from the beginning to the end. So, and he's very meticulous. He he knows what he wants. He's another very, very know what I want music musician, you know, and and, um, even in production, he knows how to produce. And then once Rick captured it from the studio, we took it, Matt, well, Matt, it was Matt's idea. He said, I want to get an, I want to get somebody to mix it who has never mixed a brass band record, but has a track, some kind of track record, local somebody and Mike mm-hmm. Napolitano. Yeah, sure. He mixed it. Uh, you know, well, Mike is so talented, man. You know, uh, we had uh, Alex McMurray on uh, a few weeks ago and he was, you know, the, he, he does a lot of stuff with Mike and, uh, yeah, yeah, no, Mike is, is golden. Well, that's very cool, man. That's, that was a good choice. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a good executive decision there. It's been crazy. I just fell into the, into Scott Billington, again, our, our friend and, and co-producer, producer from way back heard this new record and said, I'm going to put this in the pile and, you know, and that's how it all got thrown in. Nice, nice, man. Well, this couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys, man. We're we're all so excited for you guys, and uh, you know we're fingers crossed here. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Right on. It's an odd thing because the Grammys are, you know, it's it, it, you, the people and uh, the people who can only vote are you have to be a member of the Grammys, right? Right. And it's only like eleven thousand members of the Grammys. And, in and the, half of them aren't musicians. Who's that? What's that? The members of the Grammys. They're not, they've never played an instrument in their life, just like the member of the Academy Awards. They've never made a movie in their life. Well, no, yeah. there's a lot of musicians who are members. I used to be a I member. Know. There are. Yeah, yeah, I you know, can be, there are a lot aren't. And a lot, and a yeah. lot probably aren't, yeah. Yeah. And even you know. what makes it even more slims it all down is there's 80-something categories but there's about 60 music categories. So if, if you're in the musical realm of it, you can only vote in the music categories and you can only vote for 15 of the categories. You dig? So, so you can't. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah. But like the Academy Awards, you know, like I, I grew up in LA and in high school, I had a lot of, of, of friends whose parents were in the entertainment business and they were Academy members. And, uh, they would get the ballots, the voting ballots, and, you know, they just throw them to us or they throw them to their gardener or to the maid and say, you vote. 
<laughs> you know, you vote for best picture. You so know, the, that there may be stuff. some gardeners that have uh, have your your future in their hands right now. I don't, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if that's uh, if that you know, if that makes it, you feel any better know. or not. But uh, I don't know. If, yeah, why would you know? Who needs awards? Who You're cares right. about awards? You're right. You know? And I feel like a whore. Even like I feel like now with with like we hired yeah. a publicist. The same, you know who the same guy Cleary had used. But I feel like like I'm I'm a whoring myself out to like I you know am I right? Yeah, you're right. You don't need a ward. <laughs> Who needs a ward? Well, man? You, you know, know? It, it, it's okay, Craig. For you know, it, 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 this the whore part won't last forever. You know, the, the, you know the, the hey hey we all got to suck a dick now and now and again, right? <laughs> oh, you, you heard it first, troubled nation. Renee sucks cock. <laughs> yeah, troubled man. Okay. Uh, you know we've we've talked about this before, man. We've this is this is well trodden ground figuratively speaking of course um well well craig uh you know i I have a new question that i've i've used to close uh several uh episodes with and i was uh, it's it's been pretty fruitful question so do you have any any nightmare gigs and from your career like something like uh we were i had a little online discussion with actually with uh with uh uh, Jason Mingledorf, and we were talking about uh, 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 three kinds of gigs, you know, good gigs, bad gigs, and he said gigs where you have to put on a funny hat and do a stupid dance. And I said, well, good gigs, bad gigs, and gigs where uh, you question every life decision up to that point. <laughs> so, yes. So, the answer is so you, yes, you, I do. You want to hear it? Okay. Sure, yes. Okay. So it involves the nightcrawlers, mm-hmm. ironically. And it was in the early days of the 90s or so. And um, we had two different drummers. In the beginning, we went through a couple of different drummers, uh, Peter Kaplan and, um, oh, and then Frank Oxley came in. And um, (laughs) we were playing at, and Frank is a very belligerent. He likes his, his way, tempos and this and that and the other. And like I was saying, Matt's very perfectionist. He knows he knows what's right and what's uh, so. There was some clashing going, musical clashing going on. You've been there before, right? Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> and we we're playing of all places, Snug Harbor, where it's like playing in the library anyway. People are looking like nobody's dancing; they're just looking at you, right? Right, right, right. It's a jazz club, and we would play there sometimes because we had these arrangements that were kind of you know we written out and jazzy and stuff and we were playing them and something wasn't happening in the back line. There was something, there was some discrepancies going on between the tuba and the drums and Frank really. And he started hollering at Matt, man. And in between the songs, he were looking, he challenged to fight him on the stage. (laughs) 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 And Matt being calm, he was like, Come on, and Frank's like, come on, we go outside. And the people looking, I'm going, oh, my God. And Matt very calmly said, Frank, let's just get through this. And I turned around and said, let's just get through this, and we'll talk about this later. And bam, we kept going. But that was a very embarrassing moment. Oh, there's, there's many, you know. I mean, that, you know. But that, sure, was just, sure. that was just a clash of, of the titans. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> uh, you know, it, it happens, you know, it's like, uh, nobody gets in the music business cause they don't have an ego, you know, not that you have to be an egomaniac, but, uh, you know, nobody gets into show business period. Cause, uh, you know, you, you, you have a lot of self doubt. I don't know. Or, yeah. I've been trying to shed that shit too, man. That, that fucks up. <laughs> That'll fuck you up, man. Ego will fuck you up. Sure, 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 sure. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, but, uh, it, none of it is possible without that, you know, it's like, <laughs> you got to have the show off gene, right? I mean, like, cause why would someone subject themselves to this, you know, the, the scrutiny, the, the, the stress, if you didn't have that, that deficiency in your personality where you, you crave the uh, approval of strangers. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not normal craig (laughs) (laughs) it's really well you know what i watched my uncle do it so it was normal to me and you watched your dad what happened to your dad you didn't see your dad do that (laughs) oh no i mean it's normal to us i'm saying that's not normal for the general population you know it's funny just to 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 close out you were asking me when we were talking the other day you said "Uh, how's your daddy you always ask how my dad is and, uh, and I said, oh, he's good. And you said, I bet he's still practicing. Yep. And I said, I, I said, my mother makes him practice. <laughs> I love that. They're, they're both 80. My mother will go pull out music and put it on the stand and go tell him, Renee, you haven't played the horn in three days. Go practice. <laughs> and Manny, have you heard his dad play? Uh no, he's I've never good. Heard he's a good. Uh, he's he's a he's like one of them old. I've never heard people. Renee play, so I I, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's not true. You've heard me play, man. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. heard Renee play. You don't remember it, man. That's okay. No, well, uh, yeah, no, my dad's still playing. You know, if uh, if if if, uh, if if we could be playing music, he would probably be at the VFW Hall right now, uh, practicing with uh, you know Joe Abear and and uh, Willard Gray. <laughs> And we all played together in the Jimmy Maxwell Orchestra. You and I did that. I saw Renee, Manny, I saw Renee in a tuxedo playing at, oh, was it the Rex Ball or the Comas Ball or one of those big blue-blooded balls? All those, all those. Look, I loved playing the tableaus, man. I was going to ask you about that. It's like a lot of people would complain, oh, those fucking Mardi Gras balls. I loved it, man, because to me it was like playing the circus except with (laughs) New Orleans garbage royalty. Uh, you know, making fools of themselves while, uh, you know, while we played, uh, you know, continuous music. That was, that to me was, was, uh, I thought, oh, I'm really doing something uh, unusual here. <laughs> Very. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. We're so excited about, about, uh, these, these Grammy awards and, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the, they're, they're going to leave the, the Hawaiians and the native Americans for, for another year. And, uh, they're going to give some love to, uh, you know, new Orleans brass band music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Is. Thank you, man. Thanks for being on. You're quite welcome. Come here and play sometime, Manny, if you get out and hear some uh, music. When, when it, you know. I, I don't go out, man. Uh, I don't go out. Yeah, no, you're barking <laughs> up the wrong tree there, Craig. Yeah, I, I, don't, go out. I don't go out. Uh, yeah, but thank you, man. And and, and uh, if you want to send me a, 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 a CD, I'll listen to it. Right, you know? I will. You know, that kind of stuff. That'd be great. But uh, uh, I think it's we've had a great show. <laughs> And I, I think it's uh, uh, time to go. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Craig, in, in the 
In the troubled nation, we always like to say, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Good night.